Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In our epistle lesson this morning, St. Paul urges the Ephesians to live worthily of the calling with which they had been called. So we might ask ourselves, what is that calling? Is that calling different for different people? St. Paul goes on a few verses later in verse 7 to speak about the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives and appoints some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. These are the different gifts given to men for the building up of the church. But is that the calling that he's speaking about? This calling that St. Paul urges the Ephesians to live worthily of. There may be different gifts and different manifestations of the working of the Spirit, but there is one calling. <clears throat> One calling, which is the same for every human being. Not just for the Ephesians, but for every single one of us here today. There is one calling. That's very helpful to have one calling. I mean, it makes things pretty simple. I like simple. Life seems so complex sometimes. There's so many choices, so many things tugging at us in so many different directions. It's easy to get confused. We end up turning ourselves in circles, trying to decide, you know, which way to go, where to invest ourselves, what to focus on. It actually creates an existential crisis, a paralysis, and certainly contributes to our anxiety, which seems to be epidemic in our day and age. As a side note, this problem of choosing and so many choices, it's, not a, it's a human problem, it's not just a modern problem, but certainly it has been made worse in modern society by the plethora of choices we have available to us constantly, from food to clothing to career choices to, you know, I mean, you can even order a spouse from anywhere in the world these days. I don't think this is good for our psyche. Now, I'm not telling you to stop going to Chinese restaurants <laughs> where their menus have 752 choices, but I'd always, that always sends me into an existential crisis. <laughs> but all of these choices, it really does kind of create some problems for us, I think. You know, if you were the son of a cobbler, 500 years ago, you weren't thinking, you know, maybe I'll be a ballerina or, I, you know, you were a cobbler. That was that. And you weren't all worried about, does God call me to be a cobbler? <laughs> you just were a cobbler. People come to me all the time. They're all worked up about their calling. 
like their job. You know what I normally tell them? God doesn't really care. What? No, he probably doesn't care much, honestly. In the light of this, one of the rudimentary Christian disciplines that we should all be striving towards in the midst of this very complicated modern life is the discipline of simplicity. Maybe you've never even heard of that. Maybe you didn't know that was... You've heard of fasting. You've heard of, uh, you know, prayer. You've heard of tithing. Have you heard of the discipline of simplicity? If that's not part of your rule of life, that's part of your ascetical exercise, it needs to be. And it's no more optional than any of the other disciplines that we may think of in the Christian life. Myself, I'm constantly trying, because I'm a little simple-minded, trying to distill life into the one thing needful. I think it's good for us to have a philosophy of life, something that we live by. We need to know how to return, you know, that anchor that we can return to when we get confused, when we start to wonder, what am I doing? What am I about? What am I supposed to be focusing on when we feel lost? And I can tell you, as a priest uh, who hears a lot of people's problems, there's a lot of us that feel lost a lot of the time these days. Practicing the discipline of simplicity and our daily choices and our commitments will also help us to achieve a simplicity of purpose and a singleness of mind. And we all know that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, that was all just to say uh, that what is this calling? <laughs> this one calling that St. Paul is speaking of. Live worthily of that calling with which you have been called. I think that I have the answer to this question. Do you want to know what it is? <laughs> God, who is love. God, who is love, according to St. John the Apostle, has created us for love. He has created us for love. That seems to me to be a very reasonable deduction. Self-evident, even. If God is love, what else could he have created us for if not for love? He made us in his image in order to acquire his likeness, which is most perfectly described as love. As I said, this is very helpful to us if we'll heed it, keep it in our hearts, and it's helpful in a very practical way. Because when we're lost or confused or feel like we're anxious or turning in circles wondering what our life is about, or where to go, or what to focus on, that's the point at which we must ask ourselves how we have not given ourselves over to love, which is our calling. Could it be so simple? I think it is. I know I've proven in my own life, because I feel that way all the time, lost or confused or trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing, frustrated. I'm frustrated right now. Well, I'm not right now, actually, because I had to write this sermon this morning, so I got myself reoriented. But I was yesterday. Every sin we commit boils down to a failure of love. 
Every time I'm lost or I don't have peace in my heart, looking for some kind of direction, boils down to a weakness of love in my heart. I say this as one who experiences it in my own life, cyclically, and as one who has listened to a lot of people tell me about their struggles. And I can tell you, it really is kind of as simple as that. I know there's a lot more to it, but it kind of always boils down to that. If we are living worthily of our calling, and if we feel, if we're not living rather worthily of our calling, and we feel lost and confused, if we lack peace in our hearts, that's a telltale sign. It's because we don't have a clear conscience before God, which comes from one thing, and that is a failure to love. We're not living out this calling of love in some manner. And none of us are living it out perfectly. We're struggling to. So concerning this singular calling, Jesus says as much as what I've said so far in our gospel lesson, when he says that the the entire summation of the law and the prophets, all of the words of God, of God's words or commands or revelation, is summed up in the singular command given as a couplet, but it is a singular command to love God and love neighbor. That's it, he says. That's everything. The God who is love, who has clearly revealed himself to man as love, has made you for love. And falling short of love is our great challenge to correct. It's, It's to fail to be fully human. That's what it means to be a person in the image and likeness of God, to live to the fullness. It is the very purpose of our very life. To give ourselves to love is to be truly who we are. It is to find the fulfillment of ourself, of our own person. Now, to fulfill yourself, you must love. As we're going to see in a moment, as we describe what love looks like and how it works, that's going to become a paradox. (laughs) To fulfill yourself is to love is going to be a paradox. A frightening paradox for all of us, which requires faith. First, what can we say about love? First, love is free. Love cannot be coerced. Force, as the fathers tell us, is alien to love. God can't make you love him. Love is an offering. It's an oblation, a gift. It's the free gift of self, yourself, to another, for the other. Love is an enlargement of the heart which accommodates the other. It takes the other in. It makes room for the other. And it puts the other first. This is what love does and how it behaves. Love lays down its life for its friend. Love, in the end, requires death. Love always requires sacrifice. As St. Paul tells us in that great chapter of love, Love seeks not its own. Love is not self-seeking, self-concentrated, or self-preserving. I told you there'd be a paradox 
at work here. You will not find yourself, fulfill your own self, until you live for another. Christ said, he who seeks to save his life, preserve his own life, focus on his own life, in self-concentrated, self-preserving, self-seeking, self-interest, he who seeks to save his life will actually lose it. But he who loses his life, he who gives his life, who accommodates another, who embraces another, will find it. So love as gift, as sacrifice, as death of self-seeking is not, in fact, depersonalizing. That's what our narcissistic psychobabblers tell us, right? Look out for yourself. Protect yourself. They're liars. That's not what Christ teaches. When we truly love, die to ourselves and give ourselves as gift to the other, we are not depersonalizing ourselves. We are actually finding ourselves. We are becoming true persons. Full persons. Created in the image of of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we love our neighbor, what does Jesus say? As ourself. He's not saying that we don't love the self that God has created. But the way we love the self is to give ourselves away. That's how we find ourselves, is in losing ourselves. If love means accommodating the other, which is a great way, I think, of putting it, who has shown us what this looks like better than Jesus Christ? Who, though he is God, did not count it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. I mean, that's the accommodation of all accommodations. What is love here? The cross is love. And you and I must take up our cross, or else, as Christ says, we're not worthy to be called his disciples. So to live worthily of the calling with which we have been called is to love according to the cross. God made us for love. He made us to enter into love with himself and with one another. But we might ask, how is it even possible for us uh, mud bugs to enter into a relationship of love with the uncreated glory? If this doesn't stun you, then you're not understanding the profundity of this calling. You're not grasping it. Every society, every religion, every people group in the history of mankind has been scandalized by this very question of how it's possible that we could presume to share in the very life of God, the uncreated God. And yet, God has not called us slaves. He has called us friends and sons. How did he do it? 
How did he close the infinite gap and unite us to himself, to his eternal glory? Well, we know how he did it. He became one of us. He accommodated humanity into his own heart. And how did he do that? Through the humility of the emptying of his majesty and his embrace of the cross. Jesus told his disciples on the night of his betrayal, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, clearly the command to love God and neighbor is not new. I mean, in our, our gospel lesson, Christ quotes these commands which are coming from the Hebrew Scriptures, from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, commands of God. The command to love God and or neighbor is not unique to the New Covenant, and yet he says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love. It is new because now we can love as he loved, because he has become man. Because he has accommodated our humanity into his own heart. Because we have become new men in him. And sons and friends made like unto him. Because we have been united to his divine love. The nature of love. And caught up into that interpersonal gift of love that flows between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can love now, as he loved, with a divine love, because we have been partakers of that love. And that is why you exist. That is your purpose. That is your purpose. What does this love look like? How does it manifest? Well, that's the really final and important question for us this morning. We could talk about our calling to love, but we have to say, what does that look like? St. Paul tells us in our epistle this morning, as he does in many other places, that love is manifest in humility and meekness, in patience and forbearance. And he says, in seeking the unity and bond of peace above all else. Are we gentle? Are we kind? Are we understanding and patient with one another? This is how truly we give ourselves to the other, accommodate the other, sacrifice for the other. By this you will know, they will know that you are my disciples, Christ says, if you have love for one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.